Um, so let us bow our heads and join together in a word of opening prayer. Gracious loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks we have this chance to come into your house. We give you thanks that you are right here with us right now. We give you thanks that no matter where we are, your presence, your grace, your spirit cuts through that time and that space. And so loving God, we pray that you make this, that this can be a time of worship. We pray that you make this ground holy ground and this time holy time, whether we are joining in online, whether we are here in person, however the worship is happening, loving God, may this be the time that we can feel your presence, where we can see your face, where we can be convicted by your word, that we can be transformed with you in our lives. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Let us continue in an attitude of worship and prayer this morning as we go before our God in prayer. God, we just come before you this morning so grateful that we can come directly to you as your children, that you came to us in the form of the word made flesh, God, in the form of baby Jesus. And so we pray um, that we would just always reach out to you in our times of need, God. So we lift up those in our congregation who have asked for prayer in their times of need. We continue to lift up Greg and Ms. Dahl. We continue to lift up John Hafner and his healing. God, we pray for Robert, who is having heart issues as well. God, we just pray for each of these situations, for there to be complete wellness, for there to be healing, for there to be wholeness, and for there to be joy during this, specifically this week, God, um, in this time of preparation for holiday and family and tradition and fun. God, we lift up Beth Corson's mother, Aileen, who has had a fall as well. We pray that she would recover and that she would have perfect health and wellness and healing for this week as well. God, we lift up um, the needs in our congregation that were not spoken out loud. God, those needs that we hold close to our hearts, that we know that you hear, whether we speak them aloud or not, whether we write them down on a prayer card or not, whether we type them into the chat or not. God, you know our hearts. You see the broken places in our lives. So we pray for restoration. We pray for healed relationships. We pray for uh, healed minds and healed bodies. We pray for uh, redemption, God. We pray for um, release from addiction, all of the things that we need in our lives. And God, thank you for caring about not just the big things in our lives, but also the little things. Lord, we pray um, Thomas Comstock has lifted up uh, that he would like a prayer for snow, but not so much snow uh, that it knocks out the power, God. And I will add to that uh, also that we uh, lift up travel mercies for all of those who are traveling through weather this week. God, we pray uh, that you would keep them safe, that they would reach their destinations, um, and that they would have a wonderful Christmas with family, with friends, with relatives, God, that all may find times of joy and light and peace and hope in this time of winter, God. And Lord, thank you that uh, when we are not sure what to pray, you gave us the words to pray so long ago when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Our scripture in this morning comes from the gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 55. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy to fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He will fill the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is God's good word for us, God's beloved people. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, as a pastor, I hear a lot of people's faith stories. And I hear, you know, look, uh, our relationship with God has its ups and downs the way our relationship with other people has its ups and downs, not on God's part, but on our part. And so I hear a lot of reasons why people find themselves angry at God. And these kind of break down into, I think, one of three reasons. There's about one of three reasons why someone finds themselves angry at God. Sometimes it is they are caught up in circumstances beyond their control and cannot understand God is letting this happen. And I'll be honest, that's a sermon in itself as to why do bad things happen to good people. The mysterious way that life works sometimes, it's just, it is not always easy. It's not always as nice as it should be. And that is one reason why people end up mad at God. One reason why people end up mad at God is that other people have done bad things to this person and they wish it would stop and they're mad at God because it won't stop. This is another very reasonable reason why people find themselves mad at God. But the third, and honestly often the most common reason that someone finds themselves mad at God is that they themselves have done something and they are now facing the consequences for the thing they, they have done. And they are mad at God because they are facing the consequences of their own actions. This has certainly been true in my life. Uh, it was true in my life 16 years ago today uh, when my, well, she wasn't my ex then, but she was quickly my ex, when my ex left me. I spent months angry at God uh, because this woman that I thought was going to be the love of my life, my whole life was built around um, this relationship. Uh, she left me on the 19th of December in 2005. Now that was 100% my fault. I'm the reason that relationship fell apart. Uh, she did the leaving, um, but I was the one that caused the leaving. Uh, God did not do that. I did that. Diane did the walking. I did the causing of the walking. And I was mad at myself. 
uh, for ending that relationship, and I transferred those feelings of anger over to God. This is not an uncommon thing. So I want us to now pause and think about Mary. Most people want to get mad at God, or a lot of people, a good chunk of people, want to get mad at God for things that are not God's fault, or consequences that we face that maybe God have, could have stopped us from facing, but we did the thing that caused the bad stuff to happen. Mary, on the other hand, did not cause the really rough experiences in her life to happen. You need to remember, what Mary is facing is rough. It's painful, dangerous, and the consequences of it will last the rest of her life. First up, childbirth in the first century is the number one cause of death of women, period. The leading cause of death in first century Judea for women as was true for women around the world until about 1950, was childbirth. It is still one of the leading causes of death among women, and certainly one of the leading causes of death among young women. So her finding herself pregnant, unexpectedly pregnant, means that she is facing a potentially deadly journey that involves, even in the modern world, a fair amount of pain, suffering, and indignity. Now, you know, we got to exist as a species, but it's a painful, dangerous, and undignified experience under the best of circumstances. On top of that, she is an unwed mother in first century Judea who is already engaged to a man. Now, that's an important piece of important fact that she's already engaged to a man because now there is a section of the law Deuteronomy chapter 22 that explicitly states that if a woman who is engaged to a man has a relationship resulting in a child with a different man she can be taken out beyond the city walls and stoned to death now the guy gets to in this case the guy would get stoned to death too uh, so it is at least equal, but she faces stoning. Yes, Joseph turns out to be a good guy. And yes, this is actually God's child, but that's a hard thing to convince your entire town of. Praise God for Joseph. When the angel first appears, Mary doesn't know what Joseph's going to say. Mary's pretty sure that Joseph's a good guy. They've probably known each other for a minute. But she faces the potentially deadly consequence of being stoned to death. On top of that, we know Mary lives. But we also know from later scripture when they uh, call Jesus the son of Mary, not the son of Joseph, that that sails over our heads, but is actually a dig at Mary and her chastity and fidelity. And so we know that Mary faced social ostracism for having this kid well into adulthood, 30-something years later. They are still going, ah, that's the son of Mary, not the son of 
Again, that's not on Joseph. Joseph did everything he needs to do. Joseph is a wonderful guy. She definitely should have married him. It's one of the best romances in all of the Bible. There, he's great. But the town of Nazareth looked at Mary and went, huh, I don't know about that Mary lady. Where'd that kid come from? That ain't Joseph's kid. That kid does not have Joseph's eyes and weird lip. We have no idea what Joseph But maybe he had a weird lip thing. I don't know. Strange ears, like all of my children got my weird ears. You know they're mine. Weird ears. Now everyone's going to be looking at my kids' ears. Well done. She could have died. She could have been killed. She definitely gets socially ostracized for the rest of her natural life. Something that is not her fault is, in fact, God's fault. A lot of us blame things on God that God didn't do. God did this. She agreed to it, but God did this. This is 100% God's fault. God shows up via the angel and says, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Great. The Lord is with you. You're going to face uh, potential death, potential murder, uh, and a life of being ostracized. Congratulations, Mary. You win the jackpot. Your life is going to be utterly altered from now on and involve a fair amount of pain and suffering. And when she goes to her family member, when she goes to Elizabeth, all Elizabeth has to say is how happy she is for Mary. That is verses, I'm actually going to read longer than I pulled. I'm going to read verses uh, 41 through 45. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that for the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment in what the Lord had spoke, of what it was spoken to her by the Lord. You know that thing you're not supposed to tell people when a bad thing has happened to them? Maybe it's true, but it's really a bad policy to look at someone and, you know, you've just got a terrible diagnosis, you've just lost someone in your life, you're about to face a huge trial, and you look at them and go, well, God has a plan for you. That's true. Not a good thing to say in the moment is definitely what Elizabeth just said. Elizabeth just left for joy. Mary, Elizabeth is Southern right now, Mary. I'm so happy for you. God had a plan for you after all. She could die. She could get killed. She's going to be ostracized for the rest of her life. And all Elizabeth has to say is God has a plan for you. Mary has every right to be extremely angry with God. We don't know what Mary was praying for, but I guarantee she wasn't asking for this. This is 100% God's fault. No fault of Mary. It's going to be extremely painful and at moments really awful. And what does she say? When Mary gets a full-voiced line, when Mary gets to get her word in, other than just a, a response to the angel. Verses 46 through 49. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. 
My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. The mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She looks at the prospect of death, murder, and social ostracism and says, the mighty one has done great things for, for me. And holy is his name. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She's thrilled. She's praising God. At this terrible trial that she's about to go to, her response when given the microphone, you know, they were going around at shared time, and now, Mary, what do you have to say? And her response is, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices God, my Savior. He has, the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She praises God. She sees clearly what God is doing with this trial that she is going to face. And she turns to praise. We have this song that has invaded our pop, pop culture, perhaps like a disease, although it is a beautiful song. The song goes, Mary, did you know? Right, it asks these questions over, Mary, did you know this? Mary, did you know that? Mary, did you know that he was you know, gonna be the savior of it all? Turns out, Mary knew a whole heck of a lot. Mary knew a lot. I don't know if Mary did everything, but that song only has one of two potential responses. Either yes, Mary knew, or Mary definitely suspected. That doesn't fit the meter as well. Mary definitely suspected that he would walk on water. Mary definitely suspected that he would save us all. But Mary definitely suspected something really important was happening in this kid that she was going to bring into the world. Because her song, where God brings down the high and mighty, where God lifts up the lowly, where God makes sure that everyone has what they need is phrased all in the past tense. That just Jesus being there in her womb, all of this about to kick off, Mary doesn't just see him dying on a cross. Mary sees Christ coming in final victory and us feasting at the heavenly banquet at the end of time. She knew all of that. Well, Jesus has been in there less than three months. Mary knew. And she knew her place in it. And yeah, I bet she, she'd been there for a guarantee. She'd been there for the birth of a lot of children. She knew that was going to be real hard. And she could suspect, having grown up in that society, what it was going to be like for her. But she also knew that she gets to be a part of the salvation of the world and God's final victory at the end of time. And she praises God for it. There's something else that I suspect Mary knew. And I'll admit, the text doesn't tell us this. But I suspect Mary knew God pretty well. For her to get picked... Out of all the, you know, young women, there are a lot of young women of childbearing age in Judea. At thousands, if not millions, eh, probably thousands, tens of thousands of women of childbearing age 
in Judea at that time who were practicing and faithful Jews. Yet of all of those women that could have possibly brought the Savior into the world, God picked Mary. Now, Mary happened to be engaged to a guy that was house of, from the house of David, but there were thousands of women who were engaged or married to men who were from the house and line of David. Why Mary? I think this is, I'm making a guess, Scripture tells us, does not explicitly tell us this. But I think there was something about Mary's faith that was special. That she was closer to God. That she had taken her faith seriously. That she was ready, not just because she could have a kid and she was paired with the right guy, who is wonderful. He's a great guy. Definitely, if we were all Mary's Jewish grandmother, because she had one, we would love this nice boy that she has brought home. He's lovely. Good, solid job as a carpenter. She's going to be set. There's something about Mary's faith that Mary had gotten to know God better. And that made her ready to accept what was going to get placed on her. And not just accept it begrudgingly, as a tough job, someone's got to do it. This does not say, my soul magnifies the Lord. I've got a tough job to do and someone's got to do it. She says, I am blessed. Everyone's going to call me blessed. I see this as a blessing. And so Mary is a pillar of what faith looks like. But faith does not start in that moment where you're handed something difficult from God and you say yes to it. Faith starts long before that, when you take the time to get to know God so that you are ready when that thing gets placed upon you, so that you understand what God has done and then can see clearly what God will do. That knowledge that faith, that trust doesn't just magically appear in your brain when God shows up and says, greetings, O faith, one, the Lord is with you. It starts long before. And you pick up your Bible and read the stories of what God has done. When you show up to church and praise God in the company of your fellow believers. When you go to a small group and share that faith with others, when you instruct your children or grandchildren, and sometimes your children and grandchildren instruct you, when you have those accountable relationships, when you journey with brothers and sisters in Christ, you go closer to God and then are more ready to see what a blessing trial can be sometimes. How do you grow to trust other people? Right? How do you grow to trust in any relationship? It's time and it's experience. So that's why I say, how did Mary grow to trust God in this way? It can only have been time and experience. And I don't know if I'll ever have the faith like Mary. I don't know if I've got that in me. I mean, I'm never, I'm not going to ever be asked to do what Mary did specifically. But like, I don't know if I've got that in me. I don't know. The message of the story is definitely we should have the faith of Mary, though. That's a pretty good goal of what our faith should look like. That when God places a difficult task before us, we don't brush it off and reject it. We don't cry, woe is me, and then do it. 
We sing aloud as if life were a musical. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because the mighty one has done great things for me. I pray we all get there. I only know one way to get there. And that's to connect with God in an ongoing way in your life. How do you prepare for anything? Practice, practice, practice. Worship. Bible study. Prayer. Those are the rehearsals. So that we know God. We know what God has done. And we can see clearly as Mary did. What God will do. Let us pray. Gracious loving God. We give you thanks. We give you thanks for the example of Mary. We give you thanks for the brothers and sisters you have placed in our lives to journey alongside. We give you thanks that we can, like Mary, see that your victory is assured. That all will be made well and that each of us have our role to play. Loving God, help us find that discipline in ourselves. Help us to find those ways to connect to you. Open our eyes that we may see you and know you clearly. That when you speak to us, we too can respond. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. And my soul magnifies you. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. I invite you to grab the hands of people around you. Form one united body in Christ. For that indeed, by the power of God's spirit, is what we are. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. The mighty one has done great things for all of us. May we grow closer to God and see how we fit together. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go be blessed.